Hallelujah. I, I greet all those who are watching online, and um, especially uh, my wife, Pastor Kim, watching from home. Amen. And uh, she is tuned in. I told her to be good while I'm gone. Praise the Lord. I don't need no help. Praise God. I told, I told Pastor Kim, you be good. Be back to see you in a couple of hours. Amen. Psalm number 75. Psalm number 75. Psalm 75. I know it's late, but I, I'm, I'm really compelled to read this entire psalm. It's only 10 verses. You know, Paul told Timothy, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So this, there's, a, there's, a, there's a great part, a great value to just reading the word. Remember, I shared my testimony with you Wednesday night about how when the moment I opened the word uh, a couple Mondays ago to read it, all of a sudden the light came and brought me out of an oppression that, that would have been trying to come on me about some financial situations. Amen. <clears throat> Psalm 75 verse 1 through 10. You have it? Yes, sir. Okay. Let's read it together. Can we do that? Yes, sir. All right. Ready? Read. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your wondrous works. Declare that your name is near. When I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. The earth and all its inhabitants are dissolved. I set up its pillars firmly. I say law. I said to the boastful, do not deal boastfully, and to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge who puts down one and exalts another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is fully mixed, and he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain, drain and drink down. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will also cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be... Verse 10 again, all the horns of the wicked will be cut off. The horns of the righteous shall be exalted. I want to go back, please, to verse 2. Verse 2, verse 6, and verse 7. Verse 2, verse 6, and verse 7. Verse 2 says, when I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. When I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. Verse 6 and 7 says this, for exaltation comes neither from the east, thank you, Holy Spirit, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. He puts down one and exalts another. Now, Father, I pray over this moment and over this word and over these, your people, this is a prophetic moment. And I pray that, Father, a strong prophetic anointing rests upon me and upon these, your people. I pray, Father, that every heart is open to receive prophetically 
not intellectually, not academically, but prophetically. What is to be spoken here in this place today? I pray, Father, for those who are in the midst of trial, tribulation, storm, dire circumstances, challenging situations, that God, they would hear prophetically today the nature of this word and that God, it would charge us and empower us to run on to the end. To the great expectation that you have and thus we have for our lives. Speak from heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to talk on this subject today. This is the subject. Get ready for divine promotion. Get ready for divine promotion. Now, as I prayed and I, as I spoke to you, I intend to speak prophetically today. I, I don't have, you know, three points. I don't have sub points and I don't have an acrostic to go by. I don't have the classic preaching style that we would typically be accustomed to. Uh, I, I intend to speak and flow prophetically. So I'm going to say some things here right at the beginning and then go through some scriptural examples to show you the intent and the heart and the will of God for us in this season, in this hour. You understand that? I want to remind you how in 2018, January 2018, the Lord spoke to me. I was out on my patio praying, fellowshipping, talking to God. And he spoke these words to me. He said, now I know you hear me say this all the time, but I want to remind you at the tip of this message. He said that every word, every prophetic word you have ever heard is for now. And every prophetic word you will ever hear is for now. You got that? Every prophetic word you've ever heard is for now. Every prophetic word you will ever hear, in other words, from now on, is for now. In other words, God has, he's accelerating or shrinking time. God's moving in this hour and a time uh, that, uh, you know, the Bible says the devil knows his time is short. Well, God knows that he's, in fact, in the Romans chapter 9, the Bible says that God will make a short work, a quick work in the earth. He's ready to move in a very an accelerated fashion. And, and remember, I also told you that, that, thank you, Holy Spirit, that God said to me and that's in that same conversation that this is the most prophetic time in human history outside of the first coming of Christ. This is the most prophetic time in human history, outside of the first coming of Christ. Well, what's happening? Pretty soon, we're going to have the second coming. He's going to return. 
And so we're in the most prophetic time because before he comes, there must be an accomplishment of so many things that are in Scripture, so many things, even things that are beyond what's in Scripture, things that are, that are spoken over our lives, into our lives, that have not been fulfilled. Now, if you recall, I love Holy Spirit. When the first coming of Christ was about to happen, the enemy got very agitated. Thank you, Lord. In fact, there's all, it seems, thank you, Holy Spirit. It seems that when you look through scripture, scripture there's always a demonic agitation that sort of spawns or lets you know that we're, it's time for the next move. As I was saying that the Holy Spirit brought back to my remembrance, uh, when the children of Israel, remember there was a, oh man, I, I, I hope I want to finish this. Uh, the children of Israel, in, they were in Egypt, uh, but they weren't, they weren't slaves yet. But a prophetic word had come to Abraham. Hundreds of years prior to that, that they were going to become slaves, but God was going to bring them out with a strong right hand. And when that time came, the enemy began to agitate and stir things up and got in all in Pharaoh's mind about enslaving and making the, the people's lives very hard, very difficult. And they, they got discouraged but didn't know that God was, at the same time things were getting hard, God was raising someone up who was going to bring a great deliverance to them. I'm telling you that because we're in the same, th thank you, Lord, let me not I forget that, that when it came time for Jesus, the first coming of Jesus, that the enemy got agitated. They're, all of a sudden, now the Romans are occupying uh, Israel, and now they want to kill, uh, Herod wants to kill off all of the firstborn children. Same thing it was there in Egypt. And that's an indication that the, the time, uh, the Bible says that when the fullness of time came, Jesus Christ came into the world. So there was a set time for him to come, a set time for the children of Israel to come out of Egypt. And at that set time, the enemy got agitated. So you and I don't know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is going to appear, but Father God knows. There's a set time. And so in that set time, the enemy also begins to get agitated because he can sense it. He doesn't know it, but he can start to sense it. And so he begins to try to stir things up. And so I'm saying it for you to, to understand why we see such a, a sharp rise in the opposition against the body of Christ. Why we see such a sharp rise in the opposition against this ministry. Why you may be seeing such a sharp rise in the opposition even in your own life. That this is not the time to quit, but it's a signal. It's a signal in the heavenlies that it's about time. Now I need you to hear me prophetically today. That it's about time. Something is about to happen. Something is about to happen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And so we're in that time now. Now I want to show you something. Give me Jeremiah 29, 11 in the um, NIV. In the NIV. I want you to get this. We, we looked at this scripture here a few weeks ago. I want to remind you of it here where it says, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. 
I know the plans I have for you. Now, you know it goes on to talk about plans to prosper you, not to harm you. But I want to focus on just that part A. I know the plans I have for you. So God has plans for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to show you something else. Give me, give me Jeremiah 1, verse 4 and 5. Jeremiah 1, verse 4 and 5 in the, in the New King James. Jeremiah 1, verse 4 and 5. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah saying, Jeremiah, verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, I want you to see this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb. So the plans of God were already being uh, administered before he was formed in the womb. Y'all got to catch it. Now, when, now you don't have to get political on me. Just be scientific. When does a child start to form in the womb? At the moment of conception. At the moment of conception. At the moment of conception, when that seed, that sperm hits that egg, it becomes immediately a zygote. Y'all be scientific, right? That means immediately that child is being formed in the womb, immediately. But he says before that. Y'all catch it. Before the seed ever met the egg, he said, before that. I knew you. Which meant the seed and the egg had not even seen each other. But he already had a plan for him. Now I'm saying that to say to you that that's how God works. It's called foreknowledge. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It's foreknowledge. I sanctified you. I ordained you. He was foreordained, preordained. Which means God knew him already, and God already appointed him to something. Which, thank you, Holy Spirit, which meant God had a plan for him before his mama and daddy connected. Which even if mama and daddy caught it an unplanned pregnancy. It was never an unplanned pregnancy to God. God never has unplanned pregnancies. It was planned by God before I formed you, before the zygote was formed. I knew you and I formed you. I, I sanctified you. I ordained you. So he was ordained before he was even a A cell. And he said, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. He gave him a divine call. That's very important you get this here. Now, let's go to Psalm 139, verse 16, uh, Holman Christian Standard Bible. I want you to see these words here. It says this, all my days were written in your book and planned 
before a single one of them began. Now, you know, Psalm 139, starting at, you know, verse 14 or so, it talks about, you know, uh, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that my soul knows right well before you form me in my, in my inward parts, in my inward parts and so forth. He talks about the, the, pre, the prenatal time in the womb. Have you all ever read that, Psalm 139? The prenatal time in the womb. But he says here, all my days were written in your book and plan before a single one of them began. So before he was actually born, he says his days were planned. So God planned for him to be here. He planned for all of us to be here. Thank you, Lord. Now, add, let's add another scripture here. It just came to my spirit. Acts 17 and verse 26. Go back to New King James Version. Acts 17 and verse 26. Let's look at this because this just, this, this ties into this here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want this to make sense to you. He told Jeremiah, before you were formed, I knew you. I sanctified you. I ordained you. Sanctified means set you apart. I already, already, already took you and put you over here. That's sanctified. sanctified mean, doesn't mean he was holy. Sanctified doesn't mean he didn't get a part in his hair. Sanctified meant, you know, that's why I grew up. We grew up, right? Sanctified growing up meant we didn't get a part in our hair. You know, men, we ain't wear no shorts. Women didn't wear any pants and no makeup. That was sanctified. But sanctified means set apart. So God says, I, I knew you and I, I, I set you apart. I put my hand on you. I made you special. And then I ordained you to do something. Okay? All right. So we come back here in Acts 17, 26, and this is um, uh, Paul saying this to, to those at Areopagus. He says, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And watch this next phrase. Watch the next phrase. And has determined, has determined, their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So he determined their pre-appointed times. That's my main focus there. Their pre-appointed times. So remember what God says. Before I formed you, this is Jeremiah, I formed, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, sanctified you, ordained you. But he had a set time for him to be born. Did y'all catch that? Let me, let, me, let me help you. In other words, in other words, uh, God's calling on Jeremiah didn't start when his mom met his dad or when they connected. God's call, in other words, in other words, thank you, Holy Spirit. Jeremiah existed in eternity. Before he existed in the natural. So although he existed, God had a set time for him to show up. Because the time that he showed up and the boundaries where he lived, the boundary of his dwelling, where he, where he lived, was all um, part and parcel to the assignment on his life. Are you listening to me? So the time you're born, you're born now, you're here now. And that's part and parcel and you're here now. You're here in, in Florida or in St. Peter, wherever you live in this, this region, in America, whatever, whatever assignment God has in your life, you're here at this time by God's divine appointment. 
Do I got that? Now, I intend today prophetically to show you why. Why? Because we're about to shift in something here. All right. Now, I'm, I'm going to make one more statement, a couple more statements then, and then I'll go into some scripture. 2012, I was visiting with my spiritual dad, my wife and I were, and um, we were staying in their home like we prefer to do. <laughs> we don't like staying in the hotel. We prefer staying in their home. And uh, we were getting ready to leave town, coming back here to Florida, and uh, we normally would sit down with them and just share some time in the word and just meditate and pray, and they'll speak prophetically over us. And the Lord gave my, my spiritual dad a word. He told me he had been praying. The Lord told him something to, to say to me. But this time, I'm, I'm broke. <laughs> you know, we don't, we're deep in debt, <clears throat> broken deep in debt. And he said, the Lord said to me, said to him to tell me, he said, that the reason he's raising me up, talking to me, he says because, and please everybody just take, let me, let me finish. He said because I need a wealthy black preacher who will not compromise. Amen. Now, you, you know, I don't get offended by that kind of stuff. My, my spiritual dad is white as, I mean, I call him Wisconsin white. <laughs> he is, he's Wisconsin white. He calls, he says, yeah, I'm Wisconsin white. <laughs> that doesn't bother me in the least bit. I don't care anything about color. And um, so it, it didn't bother me when he said that. And, but here's the, the part B of that. He, the Lord said this, he says, because there are two wealthy black preachers that are about to come down. This was 2012. Now, he named the preachers. I won't name them to you, but this was 2012. This, this is 2022. Have I told you about this? So you know. Suffice to say, exactly what he prophesied has happened. Now, not, not the part about me being wealthy yet, because I'm not, I'm not wealthy yet. Don't look at me like that, little jealous eyes. I'm on my way, but I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm quite a distance. I, I'm looking way over yonder. I'm looking. But I'm, I'm headed there. But the part about the two preachers coming down has already happened. And I won't name them because they still are in churches. They're still operating. But I heard Prophet Ben Smith say this years ago, that God's kingdom is the only, only kingdom where you can still be working and already be fired. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you that in scripture. Well, he'll fire you and let you keep working. Until he brings in what's called your replacement. So the real title of my message today is deep, The Replacements. Get ready for divine promotion. Now, Elder Baker did a wonderful job last Sunday. We were watching at home cheering you on last Sunday, preaching about the substitute. So I'm not preaching that. And if, in fact, if you were to check my notes, I've been working on this message for a couple months now. You know, I don't, you know, I, I stay a few months ahead. I'm always spending time with God. But he, I, I'm preaching what he began to show me. 
that here is a shift of seasons that we're stepping into. It's time for the replacements. And I'm going to show you that that's why God has you here. And why the devil is after you. Because he knows, he gets a sense that you could possibly be one of the replacements. Thank you, Lord. Any of y'all ever have, you know, we, at home, we, I, I kind of like automation. And on our refrigerator, I get an indication that tells us it's time to replace the filter. On our air conditioning system, it's all automated. I like it to, to give me a, to send me an email, a text, whatever. Time to replace your filter. There's going to be some kind of note. So prophetically, God gave me a note a couple months ago that it's time for the replacements. So, so, <laughs> Prophet Joshua, my friend, my brother, he came, he was apologizing to me a couple weeks ago, and like, man, you don't have to apologize, about, you know, something happened with my wife, and we're dealing with these issues and so forth, and he said the Lord had given me a word, he's supposed to warn me about it, that I was about to come under attack, and, you know, he doesn't have to apologize, because the reality of it is, the moment you get a prophetic word from God, you better get ready for an attack. This is to help you prepare in advance so that Jesus told the disciples, he said, he said, I'm telling you these things now so when they happen, you won't be caught off guard. I want you to be ready for when they happen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, um, Pastor uh, Ulysses Burden preached here a couple of Tuesdays ago, Thanksgiving week. He preached on the remnant of anointing. How powerful. It was simple but powerful. I hope y'all didn't just, you know, just overlook the simplicity of it. Like, oh, you know, no, you miss it. If you, it was powerful. Because the remnant is the replacements. Somebody say it's our time. Tell your neighbor, this is the time you've been waiting for. In the book of Mark, let me give you a couple of scriptures. I want to get into this here. Mark 2, 22. Mark 2, 22. Here's the words of Jesus. Here are his words. Mark 2, 22. Jesus says this, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. you got to replace the old wineskin. No one puts new wine, and we're in the hour of the new wine. Oh, she got my shot. There's a level of anointing and revelation that's coming that old wineskins can't handle. He says, he says, or else the, old, the new wine bursts the old wineskins. Burst the wineskins, but he's implying the old wineskins. Because the old wineskins, what's happening is, when, when, when you put wine in wineskins, the wine, the wine ferments, as it ferments longer and longer, the wineskin expands. But there's a, there's, a, there's a limit to its expansion. 
There's a certain capacity it has. And so he says, listen, I can't put now new wine in old wineskins because the old wineskins have already reached their limit. So when I bring new wine, I got to also get new wineskins to put this new wine in. So God is gathering through the body of Christ. I see it all over the body of Christ. He's gathering. You sort of look at, at the demographic and how things are changing. God, it seems like God is gathering a whole new people. And some of y'all who've been sitting in church 30 years and you've already kind of gone quiet and you, I'm just cool where I am, you're going to miss it. That little pretty praise. The new generation ain't got no pretty praise. I know this is bad English, but y'all just got to forgive my English. They, they, they don't have any pretty praise. No, they're getting ugly, getting down to the nitty-gritty because there's, there's a desperation and a cry and hunger for God. That you've got to get that fire back on the inside of you because God is pouring out new wine, but he needs new wineskins. He says the new wine will burst the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. And so he doesn't want to ruin the old wineskins. He doesn't want to ruin the old wineskins. He doesn't want to uh, waste the new wine. He says, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. Somebody say, I'm a new wineskin. Come on, say it by faith. I'm a new wineskin. I'm ready for the new wine, Lord. Hallelujah. I still have, I, I, I have expansion room. I have a greater, I'm praying for a greater capacity. I'm praying, Lord, that you would enlarge me. I can receive what you're saying in this day. I can receive the revelation of the kingdom of God. I'm not stuck in tradition. I, I can receive the revelation of the kingdom of God. I can receive what you're saying. I can see and expect what you're doing. New wine, new wine skins. Y'all got this here. One more place. Uh, Hebrews 10.9. Hebrews 10.9. Hebrews 10.9. The writer of Hebrews here says this. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Look at part B. He takes away the first. Why? Why again? Now, what does he do first? He takes away the first that he may establish a second. Now we know he's talking about how the old, the law, or I, I, I want to say the old covenant, the old covenant, he takes away that he may establish a new covenant. Now the Bible also makes sure you understand this when you read the book of Hebrews. If you ever get a chance to read the book of Hebrews, it will bless your socks off. Because what we also know that was that because there was a new covenant, there also was a necessity of a new priesthood. Y'all got to catch this. So the old covenant was replaced by the new covenant. Everybody know what the covenant is? I don't trying to teach that right now. Okay? The old covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, was um, the, the Mosaic law was replaced by the new covenant. But because there was a new covenant, it required a new priesthood. So whereas the old priesthood was from the tribe of Levi... Jesus Christ wasn't from the tribe of Levi. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he established a new priesthood because there was a new covenant. 
there's a whole new order. So Jesus, so, so the old, the new covenant replaced the old covenant, and the new priesthood replaced the old priesthood. Jesus replaced the old lineage. Walk with me here. So everything about this, he takes away the first. He takes away. He takes away. He, he, didn't, just let it, he didn't just let it pass away. He takes away. This is why I, want, I want you to see this here. Because you're going to see some startling things happening over the next several months. Some startling things. But I don't want you to be surprised and I don't, I don't want you to quit church. When you hear about men and women supposedly of God, who fall. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Y'all got it. Okay, now let's go to Psalm 75. And it's, it's, it's late, and I'm not preaching Wednesday. We don't have church Wednesday. We start our meeting this coming Thursday, right? So I, I want to try to get through this because I don't want to wait another week to get this to you. So in, 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 uh, in uh, uh, Psalm 75, give me verse 2. Let me just give you a nitty-gritty on this here. But you, we read it 1 through 10 already, right? So I encourage you to go and read in your own time and see the, the totality of what the psalmist is saying there because there's a lot that's going on. But for sake of time, let me, let me look at verse 2. Verse 2, God says, when I choose what? The what? So God has a set time for something. He says, when I choose the proper time, what is he going to do? I will judge uprightly. He's going to judge not based on how many members you have or how many suits you have or how much how much how many airplanes you have or or how many how many uh, TV shows you have or or all these natural things that we that we ascribe to people and make them great or make them they must be a man or woman of God or they can pack out a conference with you know a hundred thousand people because you know they are this and that and people are running to here and there but but God doesn't that's not how he judges he judges uprightly. He says, and when I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. I want to announce to you it's time. And judgment must first begin. Oh, some of y'all know the scripture. Judgment must first begin, the Bible says, in the house of God. So, so we may see things happening in the government and so forth, but I want you to keep your eye on the church. Because what we see happening in the church will be an indication that it's judgment time. And this judgment begins first in the house of God, and God says, I will judge uprightly. Glory to God. Now let's go to verse 6, verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7. Notice what it says here says, for exaltation, now what is exaltation? That's lifting up, promotion, comes neither, in fact, I think the King James used the word promotion, right? Okay, so exaltation or promotion comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. In other words, it doesn't matter what social uh, group you're connected to. 
Doesn't matter who you try to rub shoulders with. See, I'm telling you, because I've been, I've been in church a long time, 51 years in fact. And in my, in my cognizant years, I've seen a lot of people who have gone up the ladder in the church rubbing shoulders. Who you network with, what circuit you run in. A lot of self-promotion. Glory to God. And people seek promotion that comes from the, from the south or from the east or from the west. In other words, from around them. But the Bible says exaltation does not come from there. But God is a judge, verse 7. But God is a judge. He. Now what does he do? Now, now wait a minute. Now go back to verse 6. Go back to verse 6. Because verse 6 says it's talking about exaltation. Right? It doesn't come from anywhere, but, you know, it doesn't come from, north, from the south, west, or north, or, or east. Verse 7 should then just say, but God is a judge. He exalts one. That's all it, that's all it could say, right? Because he said exaltation. But he doesn't just deal with exaltation. He says, but God is a judge first. Do I need to come down there? First, he puts down one. I don't know if y'all hear me. First, before he exalts now, he puts down one. Because God doesn't have two-headed monsters. He's not bringing accompaniments, he's bringing replacements. He puts down one and exalts another. In fact, what we'll find with God is that he's doing these things simultaneously. But at the same time, he's putting, because you, you think he puts down one happens overnight. No, you may get the news of it overnight, but it, it's a slow process. That he puts down one and he exalts. You don't get exalted overnight. You have to have gone to some proving ground. I'm hoping I've seen somebody who's gone to some proving ground. You've been staying the course. There's nobody over there. It's just over here. You've been staying the course and staying with God. See? When we, we have this instant microwave mentality like God I'll start serving you today I sow my seed or I do this thing for you today and I want to be exalted tomorrow it don't happen that way see because he's moving things around at the same time he's putting down one while he's exalting another now here's the thing the only thank you Holy Ghost the only one you know about is the one he's putting down Because the one he's putting down is the one that's in position. So everybody knows him or her. But we don't, we don't know the ones he's exalting. They're the unknowns. They're on the backside of the mountain. They're in obscurity. Nobody knows their names. Everybody knows the one that's going to come down. But nobody knows who the one is that's going to come up. 
believe in this house, I'm looking at some people who are on the exaltation side of this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Didn't Jesus Christ say, put up Mark 10 and uh, verse uh, 32, 31, 32. Mark 10, 31, 32. Let me see if I'm in the right area. 31, there it is. But many who are first. My God. Somebody high five me. I don't know who it is. Thank you. But many who are the who are first. But many who are first will be last and the last first. That means the ones who have been first are about to be replaced by the ones who have been last. If you have not quit, if you have not thrown the towel, if you have not walked back on God, if you have stayed the course, you're about to come up. Tell your neighbor, you're about to come up. You're about to come up. It's your time of exaltation. It's your time of promotion. It's your time of increase. You might have been at the bottom of everybody's totem pole. You might have been the one last to succeed. But God says, when I give my death, my, when I put my finger on it, I'm going to bring one down. And I'm going to raise you up. For God puts down one and exalts another. Many. Many. Not everybody. Many. Who are, la- who are first shall be last. Implied, many are last shall be first. That means not everybody who's last. Yeah. That means I ain't talking to everybody here today. I want to find out who I am talking to, though. I'm, I'm looking. I'm, 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 trying to, I'm trying to find some folk who you've been last, but you know in your, in your heart there's a first in your spirit. There's a rising in your spirit, something. There's a reason why you hadn't quit all this time. There's a reason why you didn't draw back all this time. Even though the devil might have been slapping you all upside your head, you said, no, there's a rising. There's a coming up. There's an exaltation in my spirit. And I know that if I stay this thing, if I stay with this thing, God, in his time, is going to bring me up. Nobody knows who I, who I am. I serve in obscurity. I don't have a big following, but God is going to bring me up. Please be seated. The many who are first will be last, and the last first. So again, Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7. But exaltation does not come from the south or the east or the west. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. He puts down one and he exalts another. Now, can I go through these couple scriptures here? I want to give you some biblical examples and from each one pull something out of it where you can grab a hold of it and keep it. Let's go to, go to um, Numbers 27. Oh, let me look at my Bible because I can't read all that. I don't have time to read all that. Because the first replacement I want to show you is Joshua. 
Did I know Moses is such a mighty man? I mean, wrote the first five books of the Bible. Wrote the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law. Many believe he wrote the book of Job. But Moses, as, even though he was called a faithful man in all of his house, man that saw God face to face, talked to him like a man talked to his friend, yet Moses was taken down. And Joshua became his replacement. In Numbers 27, verse 12. Now the Lord said to Moses, go up into this mountain, Mount uh, Abram, and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. Verse 13. And when you have seen it, you shall also be gathered to your people as Aaron, your brother, was gathered. Verse 14. For in the wilderness of Zin, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command to hallow me at the waters before their eyes. These are the waters of Meribah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. In other words, when the children of Israel, you know, remember once God, had, they, they needed water out of a rock, needed water, and God, uh, Moses spoke to the rock, and water came out. The next time they were in the wilderness of Zin, and God tells Moses this time, I want you to uh, uh, speak to the rock. First time he struck it. He said, this time I want you to strike it. I want you to speak to it. But what happened, the people were in, a, in an uproar. They were all in a, in a tizzy, and, and Moses let his emotions get the best of him. Now, y'all better hear me because there's two sides of this. There's the replacements and the ones that are going to be replaced. Now, I want to show you all the ones got replaced, got replaced. So you don't meet those qualifications. It said here, because you, re you rebelled against my command. So Moses let his emotions get the best of him. He rebelled against God, and he was found to be in disobedience. Thank you, Lord. Now, let me go down to verse 20, verse 18, rather. Verse 18. He says, and the, the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you. A man, this, is, this was interesting, in whom is the spirit. I thought, wow, in whom is the Old Testament. But it said, a man in whom is the spirit. I thought, Lord, how did Joshua get the spirit in him? He's Old Testament, he's not born again. And then you thought, well, every time Moses went to the tabernacle and Moses would go in and come out, Joshua stayed. Joshua loved the presence of God so much that even when Moses, who was consumed with leadership, y'all missed that. Moses, who was consumed with leadership, he would, he would leave the presence of God because he was consumed with, I got to go lead these people. But Joshua said, I'm going to stop. And Joshua was a servant to Moses. But he chose the presence of God rather than getting tangled up. You know, you can get tangled up in doing business for God and forget to spend the time with God. And the Bible has, it says, a man in whom is the spirit. And God tells Moses, he says, and lay your hand on him. Lay your hand on him. Lay your hand on him. Verse 19, set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. And look at what it says, and inaugurate him in their sight. 
and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of children of Israel may be obedient. Go, go down to verse 22 for the sake of time, verse 22. It says, so Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before the congregation and he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him just as the Lord commanded him, commanded by the hand of Moses. What happened? Joshua is now being commissioned, being charged, being inaugurated into a new rank and a new position. And I prophetically decree to you that in the coming days, over the next year, many of you, many of you, God is about to inaugurate you to a higher spiritual rank and a higher spiritual position. You're about to be installed. You're about to be commissioned. You're about to be charged. You have been on one level for all this time. And God says the time has come because I'm about to use you as a replacement. I have to upgrade your spiritual rank, your spiritual rank rank. You may not get a higher position in the church, but you're going to have a higher position in the spirit. Because the truth is, you don't need a higher position in the church. You need a higher position in the spirit. The devil don't care nothing about you being a missionary or an evangelist or a bishop or an usher or a head deacon. But what he cares about is who you are in the spirit. And God's going to raise you up to a superior, a higher rank in the spirit. Why? Moses, a man who saw God face to face, in the end, he rebelled. And that one act of rebellion, that one act of disobedience disqualified him from leading the people of Israel into the promised land. Y'all missing this. Moses didn't age out. He didn't age out. As a matter of fact, at 120 years old, when it was time for him to go ahead and leave, he climbed that mountain by himself at 120 years old. He didn't age out. He wasn't too weak to lead. He wasn't too feeble to lead. But he had lost his trusted position because he fell at the end into rebellion and disobedience. The Bible says that God chose Joshua. Joshua served his man of God. Y'all missed that right there. Joshua served his man. I could go through person after person after person through scripture to show you that God never, never exalts or raises those who don't serve someone else. In the third chapter, I don't have time to get in that. Boy, my God. I'm going to start out. In the third chapter of 2 Kings, when, 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 when Jehoshaphat and Ahab, them, they were looking for somebody to give them a word because they ran out of water. They said, there's a man named Elisha over there who he washed Elijah's hands. And they said, when they heard that, he served Elijah. They said, surely the word of the Lord is with him. Because when you, thank you, Holy Ghost. Smile. Help me say this. When you serve, you partake of an anointing. Serving prepares you for exaltation. And so many people will never ever qualify to be a replacement because they've never spent time serving. Oh, y'all ain't shouting nothing right there, I know. Nobody likes to talk about that, but, but I, spent, I spent my whole life serving. Before I became pastor, I served nine years 
next to my man of God, ministering to him, serving every, in every capacity I could. I went to church when it wasn't my business to go to church. I went to the women's meetings. I went to the children's meetings. I went to everybody's meetings because I wanted to be in the house of God. I wanted to serve. And because I served, God saw fit to exalt me. And we ain't here yet. I don't know who you are, but some of you here, get ready. Because you're about to go to a new spiritual rank. I don't care nothing about a license. It ain't about an ordination. I'm talking about a spiritual rank. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. When you have a new spiritual rank, when you speak, y'all, y'all miss it. See, when your spiritual rank increases, your authority increases. There are some devils you can't handle on the level you own. But there's a level you're about to step into that every devil in hell is going to have to submit to the word you speak. There are some trees you haven't been able to curse, but you're about to go to a different spiritual rank. There are some mountains you have not been able to move, but you're about to go to a different spiritual rank in the Lord. I wish I had somebody, just four people, just somebody shout about that. First Samuel, I, I got to keep going. Oh, man, I'm so far behind. It's First Samuel 2. First Samuel 2. Glory to God. Glory to God. First Samuel 2. Jesus. First Samuel 2. I'm trying to prophesy into your life. I'm trying to prophesy you into your next season. I'm trying to prophesy you past your pain. Past that obstacle. Past that tribulation that's trying to trouble you. 1 Samuel 2, verse 22. Not only did Joshua replace Moses, but I want you to see that Samuel replaced Eli. Hallelujah. Samuel didn't just come into position. Samuel was raised up because God needed him to replace somebody. And notice, oh, I'll try to read it. 1 Samuel 2, 22, are you there? Yes. Glory to God, let me get there. Now, Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who were summoned at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Did y'all catch that? Yes. Eli was old, but he heard. He heard everything they were doing, how his sons were... Taking the money, basically, that's the translation, they're taking the money, and how they were whoring around all of the temple prostitutes. Verse 23, so he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from the people. No, my sons, it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. Verse, verse um, um, 27, just, just stick with me. Verse 27. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose them out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priests? Uh, drop down to verse uh, 29. Why do you kick against my sacrifice? Why do you kick against my sacrifice? Why do you? Now, Eli wasn't the one doing this. 
His sons were the ones doing it, but the word of God came to him. Why are you doing this? Because I'm holding you responsible for what you're letting your sons do. And he says, which I've commanded in my dwelling place and honor your, he says here, now watch the problem, watch the problem. Watch the problem, parents. Watch the problem, parents. And honor your sons more than me. Why do you honor your sons more than me? Because when you heard about their sin, you should have kicked them out. When you knew they were living like this and stealing and robbing and, and, and fornicating with all the, all the women at, at the temple, you should have dropped them, put them out there and let all the, all, the, all the elders stone them to death. But the problem was you honored your sons more than you honored me. And Jesus Christ said that if you love your father or your mother or your children more than me, you cannot be my disciple. You're not worthy of me. I was telling it was so rough for me, y'all understand? When my wife, uh, her being in the hospital, and the, you know, a few days right after she came out of the hospital, and I've been attending to her as much as I can, and as much as God gives me his grace and strength to do it, and, and I, I felt so rough for missing church. I mean, you understand, last Sunday was the first Sunday I missed in probably four years. That's my first Sunday not being in church since 2000. 19, I think it is. Maybe 2018. And I, I had such a rough time because I want to be in the house of God, but I got to take care of my wife. But I realized I love my wife more than ministry. But I don't love my wife more than God. I love my wife more than ministry. So she comes before y'all, but she never comes before him. And if my wife and my forehead of children started acting up and getting all out of the way, I say, hold on, hold on now. I'm not going to be quiet about y'all foolishness. I can't watch y'all sin and I don't say anything. I can't watch y'all in iniquity and I don't say anything because I'm not going to let God have to deal with me about that for not saying something to you. And God allowed Eli to keep working even though he was fired. Why? Because something was happening at the same time. Well, God is bringing, and he, he, he tells him, he, tell, he told my, my, oh, my, my. He, 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 he goes, go, go down to verse 30, verse 30, verse 30. I just got to read this, verse 30, verse 30, verse 30, verse 30. The part B, part B, part B. But now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So God, he announces through the man of God here that, that Eli, your ministry is cut off. Your sons are going to die in the same day, and you're going to die. But at the same time, while God is, because he's going to bring, thank you, Holy Spirit, God's going to bring an army from afar, the Philistine army, to come and make this happen. So God's working it out. But at the same time, while God's bringing down Eli, go back to verse 26. I intentionally skipped verse 26. 
Because at the same time, while this is happening, 26 says, and the child Samuel grew. God needed to give Samuel time to grow. The whole reason Samuel was born was because God knew there was going to come a time he would need a replacement for Eli. Eli's sons hadn't just started sinning. They had been sinning. And God had to, oh, thank you, God. God used Hannah's vow to get a replacement in the earth. And then Hannah sent the replacement to go serve God from the days of his youth. Parents, make sure your children serve God from the days of their youth. He ministered to the Lord from the days of his youth. But he needed time to grow. And Samuel, the child, grew in stature. Now, because we already read what's already happening with Eli, he's older than his sons, but it's not to verse 26, and it says, and Samuel grew. So God lets Eli keep working. And his sons keep working. Because there comes a point in time that once Samuel has grown enough in stature, God's going to grow you in stature. Now, stature, can I give you another word for stature? Status. Y'all missed it. Now, we know physically it means his, his stature, his physical build, but I want you to understand what it means for you. It means your status. God has, he has to raise up your status. He's going, see, because, there, there, oh, man. There's a certain amount of clout that, that your status will have. What I mean by that, uh, help me, Holy Ghost. Um, a poor man's wisdom will not be heard. Did you catch it? You don't know what one caught it. A, that's what your Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes. A poor man's wisdom will not be heard. So God has to raise your status up. So what? No, y'all missing this. Y'all missing this. So when He puts you out front, you will be heard. Some of us, we have, not been, we have not been walking heavy enough to be out front yet. Before you get out front, God's going to make you walk heavy. He's going to make your anointing stronger. He's going to make your finances stronger. He's going to make your intellect, your wisdom stronger. So when he puts you out front, people will hear your voice. And he grew in wind, stature, and in favor. Get ready for favor to, be, to explode in your life. Now, you know, you know I, 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 I wish I wish I had um, Shay. I wish Shay was here. Shay, y'all know Shay. She's a new young lady, and um, see, because some of y'all not getting, you're not responding properly, because I'm a prophet, and, and you're acting like I'm a puppet. I'm a prophet. See, when I prophesied two Sundays ago, that that. This is Thanksgiving week, and I said, somebody this week, you're going to grab a hold of, there's going to be a promotion that comes into your life, unexpected, that you weren't looking for. Most of y'all don't even remember that. But I prophesied it. She came to me Wednesday night, and I said, hey, Shay, how you doing? I said, how's, how's it going? She, I, said, I said, you got a promotion lately? I'm just shooting the breeze. And she said, Pastor, remember you gave that word two Sundays ago? I said, yeah. Let me tell you what happened. She said, I was at work. She works at a restaurant. 
I was at work, she says, and I was wiping down the table. And a lady walked by, and I said, how you doing? Nice to see you. Uh, you know, have a good day or whatever. And she said, the lady stopped. All she said, I was just doing my job. She said, the lady stopped and said, do you like children? And she said, yes, yeah, I like children. She said, yeah, I've always wanted to be a teacher. She had no idea this lady owns a preschool. No, y'all missing it. She got a word. And she's just wiping on the table doing her job. And being nice. Hi. You like children? Yes, I like children. I want to always want to be a teacher. And so the lady says, you interested in having a job as a teacher? Yeah. Takes her in, does the interview, goes and gets her fingerprints, all that, all that kind of background check, all that kind of stuff done. And uh, I, I, I just believe, I ain't heard back from her because she's not here. But I believe she got the job because later went and paid for the, everything, did everything. This is just like, you know, come on. Now, why am I saying it? I'm saying it to say that don't just hear this and don't act like it's not going to come in your life. I'm telling you, God is raising you up right now because he's putting somebody down. But at the same time, you are growing in stature. You are growing in favor. And God, at the right time, he is making a judgment and he's going to raise you up from the last to the first. Samuel's parents dedicated him to God. Watch this. Samuel was sensitive to God's voice. Eli had come to a place where a man of God had to speak to him. Y'all missed it. Eli, see, you can start out walking with God, but get so you can get so, so caught up in where you are that you lose your sensitivity to God's voice. Eli now is at a place where a man of God has to tell him what God said. Now, Eli is a man of God himself, but he was no longer sensitive to God's voice. So much so, Samuel was sensitive. Samuel's laying in the bed. He hears his name, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up, runs to Eli. Hey, you called me? No, sir, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Go back to bed. Samuel, Samuel. He gets up, runs to Eli. Uh, sir, did you call me? No, son, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed. This time he says, Eli, Eli. He gets up, runs back, runs back to Eli. I mean, he says, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel gets up, runs, runs back to Eli. And Eli says, he said, wait a minute. See, he has grown so insensitive that, remember now, they're living in the tabernacle. Eli should have been used to this. Eli should have known that anytime you heard a voice in the tabernacle, it was God's voice. But a man of God had talked to him, and when a voice came to, came to Samuel, he didn't recognize on the first two tries that it was God. That's how insensitive, that's how dull he had come. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen, that in this season, you don't become dull to the voice of God. God recalibrate us. God recalibrate our spirits. God fine tune our hearing. We want to hear you. We want to know your voice. 
We want to know when you're speaking to us, God. We don't want to be out there and have to have somebody come tell us what you said. Thank God for prophets. Thank God for apostles. Thank God for preachers. But God, I want to hear your voice for myself. We live in a day now people are running to prophets. Running to conferences because they don't hear God's voice for themselves. That's a dull people. I need a word. Need a word? You got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, baby. You can get a word anytime you want to. Oh my. All right. I'm 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 out of time. Let me let me let me let me me read. Let me let's do one last one. I got a few more, but let me do one last one. First Samuel 15. Since we're here, first Samuel 15. Can I have a few extra minutes? Okay, because I, I got to get home to my wife, but let me just, baby, give me a few extra minutes here. First Samuel 15. First Samuel 15. Because we find another here, place here in, in royalty. You ever heard of David? Yes. David replaced Saul. He replaced Saul. Look at what it says here in First Samuel 15. Verse 10, I want you to see again why Saul needs to be replaced. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. Don't ever let God get to the point where he regrets where he put you. For he has turned back, here it is, here's why, for he has turned back from following me. And has not performed my commandments. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, Elder Baker. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Now Samuel, Samuel's grieved because remember, Samuel's the one that anointed Saul. Samuel remembers how God showed him when, when, it, when Israel first cried out for a king. And, and, and Samuel didn't want to do it, and God says, no, it's okay, it's okay, Samuel. They've not rejected you, they've rejected me. He said, I'm going to show you who to, I'm gonna show you who to, who to appoint as king. And Samuel, he remembers the day that he anoints Saul as a king. Saul stood head and shoulders above all the rest. A handsome man, the Bible says. And Samuel remembers that day. God, this is your anointing, okay. But now you've come a day where God says, I'm done with him. A man whom God had anointed. Now he says, I'm done. Why? Because, because Saul has turned back. And what we're seeing in the body of Christ is a lot of folk, they're still singing. They're still holding concerts. They're still holding conferences. Still holding revivals. But in their hearts, y'all ain't saying much to me. They've turned back. And they've not performed his commandments. Remember the story how God had told Samuel, uh, Saul rather, to go in and kill King uh, Agag or whatever his name was and all the people. And uh, Saul gets the big idea, they're going to preserve the king and preserve some of the sheep. In other words, he obeyed partially. But partial obedience is still disobedience. Verse 12, so when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went up to Carmel indeed. He set up a mountain, a mon- excuse me, a monument for himself 
and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Go down to verse, um, verse 16. Verse 16. Hallelujah. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. <laughs> now he tells him to be quiet. The conversation is Saul's trying to justify what he did. Saul's trying to justify his disobedience. And there are people today trying to justify their disobedience. Well, we know, uh, well, that word didn't exist. That word isn't in the Bible. <laughs> A lot of words aren't in the Bible. Well, we don't say anything about homosexual because homosexual isn't in the Bible. Well, that word didn't exist when the Bible was written. The word didn't exist. But the act did. Just because the word ain't in there don't mean the act wasn't in there. So you can try to justify disobedience or partial obedience. But notice what the man of God says. He says, shut up. Be, be quiet. Be quiet. I would say shut up, but Samuel said, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Remember, he cried all night. Verse 17. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, when you were just a young fellow, just, just a nobody, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do, and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek, utterly destroyed, so on and so forth. All right, I told you all this story already, right? Look at verse 22. Verse 22. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? In other words, does God take as much delight in your offerings, your big old offerings, as he does in you obeying him? In other words, you can't sow your way around disobedience. You can't sow your way around disobedience. He says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. Verse 23, y'all know this one. Y'all know this one, don't you? For rebellion, notice this sin here, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Notice this other attribute. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have what? Rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king. So notice now at this point, Saul is rejected, but he's still king, but he's still working. Why? Because God, at the same time he's bringing Saul down, he's raising a David up. Do I have any Davids in, in this house today? Now God, oh my, oh my, oh my. First Samuel 16, Lord. How long will you mourn for Saul, saying I've rejected him? That's verse 1, from reigning over Israel. Verse 6, verse 6. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. Verse 7, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? The at the heart. At the heart. Now God, in the book of Acts 17 or Acts 13, rather, Paul talks about how God found David, a man after his own heart. The Bible says God removed Saul and appointed or gave David a man after his own heart. 
right? Now, when God found David, what was he doing? Tending the sheep. He was serving. Tending his father's sheep. We know he was also a worshiper. I'm telling you who God's looking for. Y'all missing it. I'm giving you a list of what God's looking for. He was a worshiper. The Bible called him the sweet psalmist of Israel. On the backside of the desert, he worshiped in private. Not in a microphone. On YouTube. In a concert. In private. See, we got a lot, a lot today of these public worshipers who know how to perform, but in private they have no time for God. But David, while he was out there with the stinking sheep, was worshiping God all by himself with no accompaniment, with nobody else singing with him. Nobody to hear him but God. He had an audience of one. And what would change worship today is we went back to an audience of one. I don't care who hears me. I don't care if I don't sound the best. I'm worshiping God because I love him with all of my heart. David was a worshiper. Are there any worshipers in here? I had three. Are there any worshipers in here today? David was a worshiper. And not only was a David a worshiper, he was a warrior. Because the Bible tells us that while David was tending those sheep, that a lion came along. And rather than David absconding, rather than David running, ah, because you think as a worshiper, he's some wimpy guy. How many of you know you can be a worshiper and a warrior at the same time? See, we got, a lot of, we got a lot of worshipers who don't know how to be a warrior. Mm, we, got, we got sad worship. You got to give a testimony about some sad things. Stop all this sad worship, sad testimony stuff. Be a warrior, man. Be a warrior, woman. And, and, and David, the, a, a lion comes, comes along and gonna snatch, got the audacity gonna snatch one of, one of those sheep and David grab a hold, no, you ain't gonna take one of my sheep. He knows how to fight. I can worship, but I can fight. Don't get me on the right. I mean, David could have let one sheep go. But he knows that if that lion gets a taste of one sheep, Y'all miss it. And if you don't know how to fight the devil off when he's coming after one of your children, he's coming for the rest of them. And when he come in with one pain in your body and you don't fight him off, he's going to come for the whole body. And if we don't fight him off when he come for one of our members of our church, he's going to come back for everybody. And we ain't going to stand here like the devil pick off all of our members in this church. Worshippers and warriors. Because you fight off the lion and here comes a bear. The bear said, no, I'm, I'm too big and he can't get me. He might have handled that little old lion. But I'm a bear. That bear tried him too. And that bear comes along. 
David grabbed him by his beard and beat a bear. He could have let that bear get one little sheep. See, those bears and lions thought that David was out there worshiping the little harp. Thought he was soft. The devil thinks some of y'all soft because you worship. But he don't know my worship is a weapon. My worship, my worship is a weapon. My worship is how I get through. My worship is how I fight. This is how I fight my battles. Tell somebody, this is how I fight my battles. When I praise, I fight my battles. When I praise, I fight my battles. When I praise, I put the devil under my feet. When I praise, I put him to fight. When I fight, Last thing I want you to know about David that put him in position to be a replacement was that he understood covenant. Because when David faced Goliath, while all of Saul and his boys stood back in fear, David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would dare defy the armies of the living God? And he told Goliath, he said, you come at me with swords and staves, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. I have something you don't have. I have a power you don't have. You might be bigger than me, but you don't see this shadow behind me. And if you understand covenant, you're not afraid. And you don't run from a giant, you run to a giant. You don't run from a battle, you run to the battle. And God is looking for somebody who's going to have enough audacity, enough, enough gumption, enough boldness, who knows who they are, who knows what it is to worship, who knows what it is to fight, who knows who they are in Christ, that you're going to run to the battle. And God said, when I see you do that, now I know you're in position. Because David, it took 10 years for him to become king. He was anointed by Samuel in 1 Samuel 16 to become king, but it took him 10 years to become king because God was raising him up while he was bringing Saul down. And because David stuck with it, David got all the way into the, into the palace and served the Lord. Everybody received this. I mean, I remember Queen Esther. You know, she didn't start as a queen. You meet her first as an orphan. She's an orphan girl. Mother and father died. Her cousin Mordecai adopts her as his own daughter. And the reason why God has brought her up is because he's going to bring her to the kingdom. I think it's chapter 4, verse 14. He said, do you not know that you may have been brought into the kingdom at such a time as this? So God raised Esther up for an appointed time with a greater purpose than her just being a wife. It wasn't just, just about her becoming a wife. It was about her saving a nation. Do you know why God had, why, 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 why 
King Ahasuerus replaced Vashti, his wife? Why he replaced her as a queen? Because she was feminist. Y'all miss it. Go back, you go back and read it. You go back and read it for yourself. And in, in, in Esther chapter 1, when the king had thrown a feast and he called for her to come in her royal garments because he wanted to show everybody how beautiful his wife was. He, he admired. He was like, wow, my wife is beautiful. I want y'all to see how beautiful my wife is. And she got the, I ain't going to answer to him. I'm, I'm throwing my own feast over here. You read it in chapter 1. Throwing my own feast. I ain't got to answer to him. It's feminism. Women's empowerment. Y'all quiet right there. I knew it. You read it. And the Bible says that the king got mad. He said, what shall I do about this? What shall I do? And his advisor said, hey, king, you better, you better do something about this because what's going to happen is all the other women are going to hear about what she did. And there won't be order in any home. Every home is going to be out of order. We better, we better straighten this out. It's a Jezebel spirit that the devil's releasing through the church. Y'all may not like all that. But let's get every household out of order. Submission is not a, is not a, is not a curse word. It's a covenant word. I ain't going to be listening to no man. That's what got Vashti booted out of office. And that's why Esther, who we celebrate, that's how she got an office. Everybody love Esther until you hear about how she got there. And God gave Esther favor. With the head of the eunuchs, with the king. She rose to a position and again, as Mordecai, her cousin, said to her, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God has always brought replacements. You know what we're celebrating today is a replacement? He preached last week as a substitute, but I'm preaching today as a replacement. Because in Romans 5, it talks about how the first Adam, his disobedience brought sin and brought death. But Jesus Christ, the last Adam, he brought righteousness. He became what 1 Corinthians 15 calls the last Adam. Jesus became the last Adam. He replaced the first Adam. He became all of our substitute. But to Adam, he was the replacement. What Adam brought Sin, death, destruction, disease, poverty. Jesus came and replaced him and brought life and brought more abundantly. That's just, that's, that's God's pattern. What about the church, pastor? Can I tell you about one more? Jesus is walking this earth with 12, 12 apostles. One of them gets crooked. 
Judas. Judas fell into covetousness. He loved money. And he thought, he got upset because he thought Jesus Christ was going to come and establish some earthly kingdom and overthrow the Romans. And he used that as his reason, his motivation behind taking money to betray him. He betrayed his own master, his own Lord, and he lost his life. But the psalmist had already prophesied. Some had already prophesied that when that man of sin would fall, that another would take his place. You read in Acts chapter 1, before the day of Pentecost, they're in the upper room, and they're praying, and they're talking, and they're fasting, and so forth, and Peter stood up and said, hey, wait a minute. There's a scripture that must be fulfilled. He said, Judas fell, but the scripture says another one must take his place. Let's search among us and find out which one that God has appointed to take his place. And the Bible says the lot, they cast lots, and the lots fell on a man named Matthias. And Matthias replaced Judas as an apostle. That's, that's just how God works. That when people don't stick it out, God replaces them. Now, I don't know how many of you all in here are the ones being replaced or the ones who are the replacements. I'm believing God. I'm looking at a bunch of replacements. Yes, sir. Well, Pastor, who am I going to replace? I don't know. I'm, well, you're not replacing me. Because I'm not going anywhere. I'm not about to get rebellious. And, and over, you know, honor y'all more than I honor, honor God. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that stuff. I'm staying with God all the way. But there are places and positions in the body of Christ. See, we look at who's the most, you know, who, who's the flavor of the day when it comes to, to praise and worship? Who's the, who's the flavor of the day? Who's the person that's got all the attention? Like, oh, that's so wonderful. Do they are? Well, we hope that they don't have to be replaced. Because if they do, are you ready? While you're growing up in stature and favor, are you spending time with Father God to make sure you're ready to step into that place as to the reason why you're here? as to the reason why you're alive. But before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. He sanctified you. He ordained you to be something. Every one of you. Every one of you. The Bible says that David served God in his generation. God's raising you to serve you, serve him in this generation. There's a purpose for your life. God is using you and raising you up to replace. Well, who's I don't know. So we don't know who's, who's about to fall. But did your Bible say that that day would not come except there first be a falling away? Did your Bible say that there's going to be a falling away? 
Well, falling away doesn't mean God's all of a sudden not going to have enough people. Y'all better catch that. He just got to replace them. Your replacements. And God is getting you ready for the task right now. I encourage you to step into a different level. If you receive this word, I encourage you to step just like I'm going to do myself into a different level of consecration, a different level of devotion with God, a greater amount of sensitivity to God's voice so you can hear everything he tells you and you'll be ready when he pulls back the curtain on your life and puts you in that place, you'll be ready. Just, just watch. Just watch. Just watch what God does. I told you David took him 10 years to become king. But you know what happened in those, in those 10 years? God put him in the palace. He let him hang around the palace to learn what it was like in a palace. So be aware of places where God takes you, things he allows you to see and things he, he allows you to do because he's preparing you for something. Don't just shrug it off like, oh, that was interesting. No, it's not just interesting. He's, 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 he's developing your makeup. I don't know who this is for, but somebody's going to grab a hold of this today. I fully intend on being ready. I told you all this a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about the Lord healing our souls, how I had to go through a place, to get to a place where I was ready to accept what God had been saying in my life and I've been resisting it, but I understand, no God, it is time. It is time. And we're stepping into it. Father, today we thank you for the word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your prophetic voice speaking to your people. I pray, Father, that everyone has prophetic hearing today. That they didn't hear this message as just, well, just a message. Just something to sound good and tickle our ears. But as a clarion call to prepare for that place of divine promotion that God, we may not understand the things that we've been dealing with our whole lives or especially in this last, this last year, the last few months or the last few days even. But we understand, Father, that you're preparing us for a next level, for a shift in our lives. And Father, we want to be found in your sight. Even as Paul said that he rejoiced and that you counted him worthy to put him in the ministry. God, we want you to be able to find us and, and count us worthy to be to put into the ministry. Whatever assignment, whatever place that is, whatever ranking, position that it is, we want you to find us worthy that we have walked with you. We've not, we've not stumbled. We've not drawn back. We've not rebelled. We've not gotten over into disobedience. We've not tried to justify our sins. But that God, we walk with you wholeheartedly. Like Samuel, we stay the course. Like David, we stay the course. And God, we become what you called us to be. I pray, Father, that in this place, that as you do what you do, 
we will not allow pride to enter into our hearts. As you raise us up, we resist pride. As you begin to exalt us, we will humble ourselves more under your mighty hand so that you may exalt us. We will not exalt ourselves. We want you to exalt us in due time. So Father, I speak today as your prophet that God, there's a garrison, a guard around your people that when the contrary winds are blowing in their lives that they will not they will not break. They will not quit. But no, it's a prophetic sign, an indication that the time of exaltation is upon us. And that God, you're raising us up to another place, another rank in you. I thank you that this blessing impacts every life. We call it done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, give God a praise today.